we do tend to think, well, you know, we've, now the product is in place and surely the manufacturers and surely the governments and surely all the standards take material health into consideration so that designers don't need to think about it. But unfortunately, that's not the case. More and no. more we're finding out from the health perspective that the standards that are actually in place are actually very low and are really not fit for purpose in many cases. Yes, another podcast episode about sustainability and beyond. Because, listen, this is what I want you to know and remember. We as interior designers and architects are very important in creating awareness in sustainability and making it happen. Because we are the shackle in the middle of the chain. On one end, we have our clients, the consumers. And on the other end, the producers, the manufacturers. So we can control positive change. But then one of the first questions might pop up to you, like how do we know what's a good product? How do I assess those healthy products? And how can I easily implement that in my own entire design business? Therefore, I've invited the founders, yes, two guests today, from five, five uh, sorry, 540 World UK, and 540 World aims to create a circular world of good. Both partners are circular material specialists and provide gold standard planet positive solutions for businesses and material innovators. They are going to share practical pathways to regenerative design and the how to transform from a linear economy design to regenerative, cradle to cradle safe, and circular design. Here they are, Shalene Church and Paul Capel. Hey. Hi there. Great to be here. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Well, to uh, to get started, what's the, the very first beginning? Can you take us to the very first beginning of where the idea, this, this mission, this hunger to be good for our planet? Where does it start? Celine? Oh. Oh, you're, you're muted. I'll hear you. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Yes, <laughs> I can hear you. Perfect. Um, thanks again for having us both. And for me, it probably started when I was about 10 years old, when I was actually thinking of becoming a marine biologist. Um, at 10, I think everybody wants to save the world. I think we have better principles sometimes when we're that young. And uh, we actually ended up cleaning penguins after a big oil spill. And I was very affected by cleaning oil out of penguins' eyes and nostrils and um, seeing the distress of these birds in, in Cape Town, where I'm originally from. So that was probably yeah. the very first um, impact of seeing um, basically products in the wrong places. So that was probably my first um, impact. And then to cut a long story short, I ended up in design, product design for years and years, and then ended up creating lots of plastic products for the likes of Disney and various other big corporations and I have to say my you know principles weren't part of design and neither were they part of our design um, degree or anything like that so I went full circle and then had a sort of new conscience uh, around about 2015 um, meeting Paul in 2019 after doing masters in architecture and just going we need to create healthy materials healthy spaces healthy products so that's the short version 
Yeah, great. Yeah, sounds very logical. Great, uh, great route to go uh, from there, from from the penguins and uh, really back to nature to uh, to what you've built right now. We uh, are going to dive into it deeper later on. So, uh, Paul, what's your story? How did you I, end up here? Or well, how did you end up starting here? Almost. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I get. I guess for me, you know, I I grew up in the countryside. My dad was a forester, so you know, I was I was always surrounded by nature, and I I got kind of um, uh, scared and kind of into activism quite young. Um, I used to do quite a lot of Greenpeace stuff, and um, you know, it was it was basically kind of like trying to do something about some of these big picture things that we all get a little bit scared about. And then in two thousand six. I read uh, a book and it was called Cradle to Cradle, Rethinking the Way We Make Things and changed my life, really. It, it sort of took away my scared old eyes that was creating this activism in me, this kind of like, you know, this desire to go out and make some good in the world um, to actually, wow, these are, there's some solutions out there that can actually uh, fix some of this stuff. So, you know, it's uh, it's gone kind of full circle, as as Shalene likes to say, you know, it's... Um, 540 world is about changing from this linear destructive sort of pathway that we we seem to have found ourselves on into a into a circular safe responsibly made one so that's kind of where we where we came from and where we're where we're heading yeah lovely yeah it's great to see how you become instead of just activism those like no stop doing that or you can't do that till a really uh well the solution based people that will think okay we have to do something about it but how can we do it and what can we do and uh, that's most yeah mostly the most tricky part or difficult part yeah, to take action on it we all know that some things are not good for the planet we don't know uh, what not to do and we wish it would be better but where do you start so what is uh, what is what is now the goal from uh, 540 planet 540 worlds so for, for 540 World, we've got multiple minor goals, but I think the major one is, is quite it's quite big picture, really, and we'd like to just help the built environment particularly because that's where we find our, our both of us have master's degrees in, in architecture. So that's uh, mines and interior architecture specifically. But we do find that that is such a hugely wasteful um, and impactful area and it makes sense for us to try and transform the built environment and interior environments to a non-linear design um, objective space into a healthy material regenerative design space. So that's the sort of big picture goal. Yeah, yeah, great. You, you said the, the linear economy. What do, you, uh, what, what do you mean with linear? So I think most of your audience are probably fairly familiar with linear design, and that usually tends to mean take make waste and what what that means is really taking materials virgin materials out of the ground and out of um, plants or wherever it comes from and then making that manufacturing that into a product or material and then there's a lot of waste in that process and there's a lot of waste in the design and the use and it's often single use and for the most part that is a linear design process so the whole process of finding material putting it in a in a building and then ultimately ripping it out and putting it in a skip, ending up in landfall or incineration or polluting the air. That's the that's the, the classic take, make, waste linear design model. Yeah, so take, make and waste. Yeah. So you have what well I can imagine it's it's most designers, architects, they see kind of the 
design is their end product, right? It's like, hey, I, I create something, I design something, I create something, and then, wow, it's finished. And, well, people are living it, they're using it, but the, the next step, that's mostly not part of our, well, for sure our business models, yeah? because it's maybe they want to change something over the years, and you have your the same client again, or another uh, company who's uh, occupying the building, or circumstances. So what what, what is it that, what is the maybe the mind shift that we need to to have as designers because yeah it's 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 definitely not the end product although we see it that way sometimes no it's it's not the end product mark and i think it's a it's a great question thanks for asking um paul will go into it in a little bit more detail in in terms of what we've stumbled across as um some of you know the best framework in the world and what that means in the categories but for me i think the starting point is to reestablish the your key objectives and as a, an interior designer, you're normally looking at the client's functionality, their budget and aesthetic. Those are usually the key kind of areas that you use for design. And um, I know you like to say, don't leave your interior design audience the same after they've seen a podcast. So that's really mm-hmm. the, the challenge point. And I, I always say, look at the context and look at the big picture context. So, you know, we know that our planetary boundaries, we've transgressed six of our nine planetary boundaries um, in the since May last year, so big picture science is telling us that we all need to look at our sphere of influence, and our sphere of influence might be with our clients, it might be with the specification or procurement team or whatever it is. But as designers, we have to to realize that we are part, we're spoke in that big wheel. So we really need to start designing uh, differently, and that's partly what we're talking about today. So I think it's looking at the fact that you're you're part of a bigger picture. You you're not actually just a small spoken a will um you really are important so that's the first thing is re-establishing your objectives so i would like to disrupt those those classic objectives and actually say to everybody you really need to look at your process differently so i i, I say that in two spaces so one is your pre-design yeah. so i always look at abc you've got your ambition levels and that involves all stakeholders just to keep with the a's for now so mm-hmm. so um b is your briefs and c is your contracts so in pre-design, you can actually challenge your entire stakeholders, your clients and everybody involved to start looking at things more holistically using, you know, planet positive materials, things like that. So if they're in your ambition levels right from the beginning, throughout your stakeholder briefs and contracts, your ABCs of pre-design, it's much uh, less likely for the good products to fall off at the end due to budget or due to any other. Yeah, so so it's, it's, it's really, it's urgent to start at the very first Point. It, should, it should be one of your design principles almost, actually, yeah? to, to get everybody on board and then they know from the very first point they're going to work with you. Absolutely. But you know you're going in the right direction or Absolutely. at least you know which direction you would like to send. Yeah. Absolutely. And we're not just saying that in a sort of an ideal world. What we're actually saying is that's, that's quite evidentially based. We're seeing that in the international sectors that are much more mature and are doing this very successfully. They, they, one of their key lessons that they've taught us out of the big projects they've done is that if you get all the stakeholders on board, you are much more likely to succeed with a regenerative or beyond sustainable design model. If you don't, uh, you're likely to get it, it'll get cropped off either from procurement, from you know, budget or somewhere along the lines, it'll get hacked to pieces. So that's really, really a, a really important pre-design ABC ambition levels, briefs and context is, is the starting point. And Paul, no doubt, um, integrate more of how we would uh, talk about design and how you find those materials and, and how you verify that they are the right ones to use. 
Yeah, because there is, as you said, there's a lot of greenwashing involved. We have so many, so many words and definitions for for cradle to cradle greenwashing was sustainable, durable, whatever. It's uh, most of the time it's uh, a lot of marketing. Yeah? Mm. Like we said, a lot of people. Is a wonderful quote, quote of yours. Like most, yeah? a lot of people know master the art of storytelling, but do they master the art of doing the right thing? And that's. Well, that might be a big problem right now. We are facing every day with all the suppliers and manufacturers, right? Well, so how, do you, how, how do we know? That's, yeah. that's why I actually wrestled Paul to the ground, not literally, <laughs> obviously, um, in 2019, because I, I just finished my master's and I'd integrated. I'd, I'm a partner in a health clinic as well as um, design specialist. And so I'd literally spent years doing design in commercial sectors and then looking at health and I wanted to design humanly healthy spaces. So I spent my master's looking at materials design and um, how to optimize human health. And so when I came out, I naively thought, oh, well, I'll just look for, you know, really healthy materials and, and carry on designing as we always get taught to design. And that was completely wrong. And yeah. to find the materials proved incredibly difficult which is how I actually ended up going, do I need to now become a chemist and an engineer and a biologist? And, you know, how do I actually find whether this bamboo versus this, you know... There's a, there's a lot of technicalities, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And greenwashing is very mature. And, and being in marketing for years, I understood, you know, you'd read a paragraph and I thought, this is very well written, but I have no way of verifying if this is actually true or not. And unfortunately, people have realized that sustainability and using those kind of terminologies is a marketing ploy. It's, it's a, it, it helps their product sell. So they'll use it and have been using it quite willy-nilly up until now. Um, they, have, they haven't been guides till recently. So that's where I sort of got hold of Paul because I knew he was the basically the sort of head honcho in this country. And um, I said to him, we need to, we need to actually help uh, clients find the materials. We need, to help, we need to help designers and architects. They don't have the time or the luxury of you know, a couple of years like I did to actually find cradle to cradle certified is the world global standard for materially healthy, circular and socially fair materials. And then you still got to find them. So it's a really, really difficult, uh, a tricky navigation for most people who just want to really just design and they want to use the right things. But for them to find them is not is not easy. So that's where I, I met Paul and um, I said we need to help people access this and help bring the message forward. Yeah, but because I was yeah, I was mentioning Samuel in our first meeting is, is if we ask our painters, for example, if if we leave it to them, like, hey, I want to, can you serve me for a green paint? He will he will give you green paint for sure, <laughs> but the color green, right? He, he has no clue. He can go on the marketing facts of a brand or what his supplier will tell him, or but you never, yeah, you never know if you do the right thing. So it has to come from the very first eh, chain. Like you as a designer, telling your client, educating your client on eh, what's the best for them probably and for the planet. And then all the people and parties that are involved after you, uh, eh, that you can put them on the same track in the same line. Yeah, so Paul, you are more the, the scientist, more the, 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 the proof, the... <laughs> yeah, you, Tell me, tell me more. How, how does it uh, how does it work? Because it is technical and biology. How 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 do you make sure we have uh, we are, well we can use the right products? I think I think that you touched on a really interesting point there. This technology and biology thing. Because when we 
if you start from that very beginning of, of trying to create these things in this cradle to cradle way, we clearly define, is this a technical thing or is this a biological thing? Because if you create um, things that need to do a technical function from biological material, sometimes that's not necessarily the best tool. So sometimes you, you, you know, if you want to have a technical um, part of it, like a metal or something, then you don't want that to biodegrade while it's, it's doing its, its intended uh, design. So it's really key, those kind of, some of those fundamental things. And, you know, there's people been working on this idea for, for decades now. Um, Cradle to Cradle, that book I mentioned, was written in 2002. So it's like 21 years ago. Um, and since then, industry has been trying to, evolve trying to uh you know work out how the heck we do this stuff how do we do circular circular when so circular has been around for a while circular economy we start to call it circular design but there's already like sustainability 150 different variations of a definition for it so what cdc cradle to cradle does is it's a framework it's scientific it's based on third-party verification so you can trust it and that's the thing. It, it's got so much uh, richness to it. it that's, it's quite tricky to actually explain it in an easy way because you just want a green paint or you just want a, you yeah. know, a, a, a something that you're going to use in your design. Um, what- that's, that's the thing, Paul. Eh? We, are cre- eh? we are creatives and we want to do the best thing, but all the research we need to do and all the time we need to spend on finding the perfect products and it's, and it's changing very fast. Yeah, they're coming new products uh, every every day. Maybe uh, new products will enter the market, and we don't know again if it's a marketing product. Eh? Is it a technical uh, innovation for cradle to cradle, or a, or a really good biolog- biological one? Mm-hmm. And is it how does it function? If you put paint on the wall, is it has it the same qualities than uh, let's call it chemical paint? Eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but not not to mention the health issues we can get from all this uh, toxic. Uh, Exactly. Yeah. This is this is why um, pretty much I, I stick to Crowd to Crowd certified as a kind of like foundation for the work that I do and that 540 World does because you can guarantee that the products that have got a Crowd to Crowd certification are usually the best quality. So you get sustainability, you get circularity, but you also get the best quality. And this is this is quite a kind of eye opening uh, thing for a lot of people because a lot of people think okay, we want to do the best thing we can. We want to do the right thing, but we have to do a lesser thing. Yeah, We have to do something. Sustainability is maybe somehow, you know, it doesn't function in the same way that um, the the, the normal one does. But actually, that isn't true with Crowd to Crowd Certified. As I say, you you look at the products that have gone through this process, and it's so rigorous that you end up with the best quality and you get all that other stuff, you know, just almost by default. So we love it. When we explained this to uh, the UK Environment Agency, they were like, wow, this is amazing. This kind of feeds into 11 of the UN uh, SDGs. It feeds into all of our sustainability ambitions, social ones, carbon ones, renew- you know, all, the, all of these things. So this is why we, we take it to heart and uh, talk, to, talk a lot about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, going to, yeah. Sienna, I'm glad you mentioned paint because it's 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 something that most most of us use all day long in every pro- project oh, that's a great um, paints. we we found that you know when i started doing the material health research and i actually found out that synthetic paint 
takes five years to complete its off-gassing. And that five off, years. Five years after it's dried, uh, it's still off-gassing. And those so I'm, are, I'm thinking of this fresh new baby room where yeah. you put your child safely in there. No, and that that no. that these are quite challenging points because we do tend to think, well, you know, we've now the product is in place. And surely the manufacturers and surely the governments and surely all the standards take material health into consideration so that designers don't need to think about it. But unfortunately, that's not the case. More no. and more we're finding out from the health perspective that the standards that are actually in place are actually very low and are really not fit for purpose in many cases. So, for example, if we stick to paint, there are just two important points. As I said, off gases up to five years after it dries. So if you know that that's got carcinogens, VOCs, all these other terrible, you know, parabens, plastics, all sorts of other things are inside the paint. And you know that it's delivering toxins up to five years and sometimes longer, because in some cases, the materials actually degrade. So actually the material health gets worse over time. So it, it, it's not like it goes on the wall and then now it's all stable. In some cases, it doesn't even do that. And for paint, for example, for a synthetic paint, it can produce up to 30 liters of sludge per liter of paint that we use. So every wow. liter that we pop popping on a wall, it's equal to 30 liters going into landfill or into water systems. So those are just two um, examples. A, a third one, which I'm sorry if anybody's a bit... Um, scared by these things, but these are really important facts to know about materials. So paint, for example, in the UK, they did a, a, a big study a while back, 40% of decorators, which is the terminology they use here for people who paint um, as, a, as a career and occupation, 40% of decorators end up getting lung cancer. That's nearly one in every two. Oh. Now, if we know that as designers, and I do know, I mean, the minute I heard these statistics, I could never, ever specify a non-cradle-to-cradle -cradle paint, knowing that I'm allowing toxins into that person who's actually doing that 24-7 for their career. And, and in office spaces where you're sitting 90, 95% of your day into in, in interior, an office space or in your home, So it, it's a no-brainer for me. I, you know, that's how I learned about graphenstone paint, which is CO2-absorbing. It's got no carcinogens. So for a long time, that was the only paint that I could specify in the UK because it's cradle-to-cradle -cradle certified at gold level and at silver level for colors. It's got every color that you can think of. It does all these other amazing things, and it's got uh, no health uh, negative uh, areas whatsoever. Fortunately, uh, things have moved on, and there are a couple of other brands now internationally that also have cradle to cradle certified but it's really difficult for a designer to become a, a, a circular material specialist because they don't have, i mean i've got 20 years of health and a, yeah. and a master's in this you know you can't do that straight away so like paul says if you don't have the time which we appreciate people don't just like you go and buy fair trade bananas most people do these days yeah you go and buy cradle to cradle certified products you literally can sleep at night because you know that you are not uh integrating a, a terrible chemistry just from the material health and then you've got all the other five categories which I'm you know pause yeah which ones which ones are they Paul are you into the yeah so there's kind of there's actually there's actually seven really in the new version but there's five criteria so material health so this yeah. is uh the chemistry and the biology to the parts per million tested against I think about 24 endpoints where it's like does it bioaccumulate in fish Does it accumulate in our body tissue? These kind of like scientific 
measures of, of what the, the chemistry and the biology is doing in the system. The second one is uh, product circularity. So the, how does this sit in a system? So this is, we know what the material is. We know how it flows through a system. It might not be actually circular. We call it circular, but it's a kind of flow of material. Yeah. But that's the second, product circularity. And that is broken down into multiple strands of like the design, the, actually how you put it together. And this is what's really quite interesting. You know, you can, you can be an interior architect and change the system or your components quite quickly and quite in quite small cycles if you fix it in the right way. So say yeah. you use mechanical connections instead to, of... To, to, assemble, to assemble for some... Exactly. So yeah. you, the way you assemble it makes it yeah. easy. If it's easy to assemble, it's easier to dis- disassemble. Therefore, it's easier to change. So you could have a fresh thing every you know few years as long as you keep the value of that material. Yeah, we had a, there was a one from the other podcast with uh, Ankita Drizvedi. It's uh, yeah. Yeah, she's 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 another uh, sustainable hero, and um, she was she said um, if you can um, uh, don't glue it if you can screw it exactly because it has to do. I never thought about designing an interior that you know upfront that you can take the whole interior design off, let's say in half a day because it's easy. It's cheaper to uh, to change your interior that way, but it's even better for the material that you can reuse it or resell it or whatever or create something else for it. But when it's when it's glued, even with the toxic glues, most of the time to huh, to exactly. save the wall. Exactly. So that that fits into the whole sort of modularity, disassembly, all that kind of thing. So exactly, screw don't glue, weld, um, avoid welding, rather bolt instead of weld. All yeah. of that kind of, there's there's so many along that that area. So like Paul says, the the second pillar is circularity, and that includes sourcing, design, and systems. Um, and then there are another three really. Do you want to mention them, Paul? Yeah. So so that's really to do with the material and how it sits in a system, and then it's how do you make the product. Um, so what greenhouse gases are emitted. Um, how does how much renewable energy is involved in the in the production of that thing so this is looks at very you you then can get out these these kind of really quite boring but really important um data points which how much embodied carbon have you got in your product so that's the the third one renewable energy and uh and clean climate then you've got um soil and water so when you're producing this thing is how does it interact with the soil and how does it can it return to the soil if it's a biological thing yeah. if it's a, a paint you know eventually that's going to come off the wall and end up in the in the water system or in the soil systems is it healthy um so you've got water and soil and then you've got um social fairness so when you when you actually manufacturing this has everybody been paid fairly you know is this there's no slavery in the system there's like very high criteria um so you, and that's the thing we not we you almost forgot in all in, in this whole all these bullet points. The last one is yeah, maybe when you when we are buying uh, products that we can eat, yeah, food or beverages, we are more used to yeah, to exactly. keep awake on that kind of thing, but not exactly. not with designing and using materials, right? But yeah, you, you get all of that built into the into the criteria. And the interesting thing with um, Cradle to Cradle certified as a holistic thing is. You, every two years, you have to improve. So the, the certification is really just a kind of marketing tool of how, how well you've done so far. 
and actually, you know, the, the, the innovation framework and the ideas behind it are encouraging you to get to this place where, you know, we're solving some of these problems. So nothing's perfect at the moment. You know, it's like we, yeah. we, we're, we're doing the best we can, but, you know, it's, there's it's an like opportunity. This, yeah, I, you could say like this, like this energy label. Hey, you have, we started exactly. with the A and then you had AA, you had triple A, exactly. quadruple A, five A, where do we end up? Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I think but also that um, the other thing that just sort of mentioning again, the social fairness when I started looking at social fairness some years back, and we, um, I've got a friend who works in one of the, one of the local, uh, one of the biggest local charities for refugees, and she was she was talking to me about how seventy five percent of European products, these are products you and I buy most for the most part, have yeah. have uh, slavery in the system. Seventy five. Seventy five percent. So if you look around your home. 75%, three in every four products in your home have slavery in the system. Now, that's a shocking statistic. And this is why Cradle to Cradle is, is so powerful, because they actually put boots on the ground. They go and check every single factory. They go and visit them. They check that the energy is, you know, solar or wind or whatever people say that, say that it is. They actually visit these places there's no way that anybody can say it is something when it isn't. So it's fully traceable, fully robust, fully assessed, fully verified, and it's third-party verified. They have firewalls even within their system. So they have these incredible global assessors who check the products. Then that material is bundled and sent to the Institute. And the full title for that is the Cradle to Cradle Products Innovation Institute. Um, and I know, Sven, we've given you all the links so your, your audience can link to all of this information later. Yeah, wonderful. We, we are going to prepare a landing page especially for this. Exactly. Uh, for this so it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful certification and robust science-based, evidence-based framework. So it's, I like to say it's bulletproof. That's my phraseology of it. But it means that as a designer, if you find a cradle-to-cradle product, on any level, because they have scoring at bronze, silver, gold, and platinum level, you know that that manufacturer is on the way to doing the right thing. And they've at least looked at those seven areas, like Paul says, sort of the seven criteria, but it's th- effectively they call it five five categories. And most, uh, most manufacturers are only looking at singular siloed categories. So they might be looking at carbon, for example, which is quite yeah. a common one now that people are looking at carbon. And that's great that they're looking at carbon, but actually methane, gas, all the greenhouse yeah. gases, air and climate health is just one of the five categories that they robustly look at. And, and we, need, we need carbon in this world. Otherwise, what happens? Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, so, where that, it's where that carbon is within a system is the, yeah. is the issue. If it's fugitive in the sky, you know, it's in the wrong place. That's it's it. In the soil or in the, in the trees or locked into some of these products. You've got you've you've got a really good example of that is um, this product called the Koya, because it's a softwood. It grows very quickly, so it's a and then it's modified, so it lasts as long as a as a hardwood. So it's it's actually sequestering the carbon, so you can actually lock carbon up in your project, become carbon positive is the way we like to um, describe it, because a lot of this like these ideas are actually then this leads into the regenerative bit of it. We don't want to go for sustainability. Sustainability is this kind of zero line of just sustaining. Yeah. What we want to do is regenerate the system. Yeah. So the other, the other level, the, yeah. 
clean the water, you know, add more topsoil. Topsoil is not really talked about. It's an asset that we're losing at a huge rate. So, topsoils. Yeah. yeah, topsoils, um, healthy soils. So looking at it from a system, you know, and putting carbon back into the right part of that system, not being afraid of it. It's not the enemy. It's just, it's just it, we're losing it into the wrong bit of the system by doing the wrong things with it. Yeah. So definitely be aiming for beyond sustainability. Sustainability is not enough. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So the, yeah. Short, the short route is obviously if you can find a cradle-to-cradle certified product, C2C product in your space, um, and most of these products, like a coir, uh, is a natural wood, like graffenstone paint, which we mentioned earlier, they are global. You can get them just about anywhere. There are very few territories that uh, don't, you know, where you can't actually access these materials. And the exciting thing is there are now uh, 75,000 ish products that are. 75,000? Well, you made yeah. some progress the last few weeks. It, it has. <laughs> I mean, it was literally, we did. A big exhibition in March, and we had the Cradle to Cradle Products Innovation uh, Institute join us. They are our knowledge partners. Yeah. And at that point, they had a 75,000 um, known rate of, of products and materials. And literally, I think it was literally Paul mentioned about two days ago that they're now up to 75,000. So it's increasing. In it was 45, so wasn't it? It was 45,000 yeah. and went up. Yeah, to, yeah. That's what I have written here on my yeah. Uh, my yeah what's... Exactly. Exactly. So it, it's very, very exciting what they're doing. It's, as I said, it's increasing exponentially. They've got a fantastic group of very smart chemists, engineers, um, and, and designers in this global assessor network. So whether you have, um, you know, if you can't access the product, they can actually innovate products as well. And that's what they spend a lot of time doing. So let's say you have a very unique product that you need for a very unique scenario. You actually are able to access uh, these partnership networks to help you to help you innovate. But realistically, um, since the built environment is the area that they are most robust in, since the whole um, cradle to cradle ethos and philosophy and, and ultimately the framework came from a architect and a chemist. Um, so it's, it's, very, it's very robust. And as I, as I mentioned to you, Mark, there are fantastic case studies to look at. For example, Park 2020 in the Netherlands, the World Health Trade Center um, called the Zin Project. In Belgium, they've just um, established a 95% success rate for cradle-to-cradle certified products and urban mind products, which basically just means using products in the local vicinity. And yeah. that's, you know, that's that's a really doable, a real, a real, really doable thing these days. It's not like you only get one product and the rest have to be linear design products. No. It's, it's very, very practical, very um, accessible. And in most cases, it's now profitable because if you look at how you um, – look at budgets and, and price points instead of looking at the price at uh, price of purchase or point of purchase you look at it over its lifespan these products are usually very robust and usually best in sector as Paul mentioned earlier so the price over the time span of your product it's usually a uh, it's usually a profitable uh, scenario and there's a lot of cases to prove that so that's you know there's no real reason not to do it anymore no no and I can imagine that if we increase demand, for good healthy products, people need to shift their eh, their their mindset on, on the production side of the suppliers. Clients are demanding for other stuff. It Absolutely. will change a lot, right? Absolutely, and we we're still seeing a lot of myths that we need to bust. You know, we had a meeting yeah. just the other day, and back to paint. Somebody said, "Oh, but do you have a color range, or do you only have whites?" You know, yeah. for example, graphenstone can match 
N-E-R-A-L, literally, they can color match and their own range is, you know, I think it's about 360, 460 products, something like that. Yeah, you're a very difficult designer when you don't find the right match. You have a horrible <laughs> point when they are in the And they're absolutely fine with an RAL match. Yeah. So, you know, gone are those days where sustainable products are rare commodities or low performing or you know made of beeswax and the local beehive from the back of your garden you know gone are yeah. those days these are very intelligent brands like Moser tiles we mentioned to you um mark you know in your backyard Moser tiles is you know brilliant porcelain tile one of you know one of the most robust brilliant um brands in the world when it comes to sustainability and they've just achieved cradle to cradle certified at gold for nearly their entire range so whether you're looking at for carpets or paint or wood um, there's very little that can't be done. And we, we actually did a proof of concept in London recently where, and it's not quite complete, but we've managed to do cradle to cradle certified products for an entire retrofit, um, including the glue that we use with Moser tiles. So yeah. there's very little uh, that can't be done. And, it, you know, there's new, Paul and I are struggling to keep up and we, we're in this space all day long. Paul gets feeds to tell him what's going on. Um, so it's a bit like technology. It's moving very, very fast. So anything in your head, I'm talking to your audience now, anything in your head that you think, oh, well, is it going to be as good? I would say it's going to be better. Is it going to be more expensive? I'd say no, over the term, it's likely to actually be a profit, more profitable project. Um, And, you know, the aesthetics are fantastic. You don't have to worry about the aesthetics, just absolutely incredible products. Yeah, because that's that's what we oh, well, most of design we're all looking for this beauty eh, and the aesthetics in the environment because it well beauty makes you liberally if you talk about science and uh, in a few weeks we have uh, I'm, not, I'm not going to mention the names yet but uh, two uh, people for the for design that talk about beauty and science because it's really it's it is science that beauty affects us on our happiness as well and on our, on our health. So it's, uh, it's, it's kind of important that we, uh, as designers as well, that we try to test and tweak and demand for the products. And like, if, if it's not what we like to see, that we challenge the, well, I could say the chemists, the, the innovators, the biologists, the, the engineers, mm-hmm. to come up with yeah, even more beautiful uh, products and just say, oh, it's not on the market, I'm, uh, I'm gone. So is, that, is there a, an opportunity for you on the platform to ask those questions if people are uh, uh, have any questions or demands for special products? or? Uh... Well, I know you're mentioning this later where we're giving your audience access to some freebies and part of that is consultation. But there are, are there are ways of accessing, and we'll we'll wrap that up as well at, at the as an end note um, to to find these materials. But usually, when people actually find out, you know, if they're looking for a stone surface. You know, we yeah. have one particular cradle to cradle certified uh, stone manufacturer. I mean, I, I, I can't, Paul and I lost count after forty eight pages linear uh, lines of every single <laughs> skew that they have. You know, okay. we lost count. I mean. That's just a stone product. We went to see their showroom and it was mesmerizing to see how beautiful their products are. And I'm not, you know, we speak about uh, beauty sometimes in a way that's a bit derogatory these days. And that's actually not true. So when I did my my um, optimizing human health, aesthetic is actually one of the key functions. So there is arrangement and design, but is, the aesthetic is part, of, is part of the arrangement, part of the design. What we see is incredibly important the tactile aspect of it, you know, what it feels like, what it looks like, actually has a huge impact on our, our, on our mental health. So, yeah. I was, you know, I was literally looking at 
mental disorders and rehabilitation times and how we arrange and what our materials are literally have a definitive impact, an objective marker impact on our health. So, you know, you know, we, we mentioned this, but it is critical. And unfortunately, cradle to cradle certified products um, know that. So they don't usually just do one, you know, one healthy tile and the rest is unhealthy. Yeah. Just like most of they've done this incredible range because they understand that, you know, we, we want to continue doing the important things, but we also need to have, um, and, you know, I don't like using the word sustainability. I prefer using regenerative design because sustainability yeah. is just repeating the status quo. It's actually part of a degenerative design system. So we need to challenge that that language as well. Yeah, regenerative. Yeah, so beauty is regenerative, right? Because when you adore a product, when you love it so much, yeah, you're, you're cherishing it, you're, you're, you, you want to keep it, you don't give it away, you don't throw it away. So that's that's a that's a cool aspect. Sometimes the products that are um, maybe they're not healthy made, but there are some products in design world that last so long. And even when you look at it, it's not it's not the best product quality, but the beauty is so good, and people are just take and it has this vintage label or those golden labels in design world. And it's so funny. This is so so beauty is. An important factor of sustainability as well, because if we if we like if we think some something is ugly or the building is ugly, mm. there is a big chance we're going to demolish the building in a few years again, even when it's made with the best materials. But that's an uh, it's a challenge too, right? Absolutely, and and the good thing is you can have it all. And, you yeah. know, you really can. You don't have to actually go. Oh well, I want to do a sustainable building, and it's just going to be made of, you know, I don't know lime wash and hay or something that's not that's not the case at all in fact you know when when people actually discover these materials for example we go back to okoya usually um and historically we don't usually use a lot of wood in bathrooms because for the fact that it moves and it rots and it swells and the paint peels off and all that sort of thing so we tend to use other materials but now with okoya you can actually do that because it doesn't actually absorb the 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 water it doesn't expand and twist. So therefore you can actually use it in its natural state or you can put coatings on it and it lasts much longer. And you know the, the guarantee speaks for themselves. It's 50 years above water and 25 oh. years in water. And that's that's the product that Paul and I specified uh, to, the, to the Environment Agency for the world's first um, fender in the Thames estuary. And we've now seen that and how robust that's been over the last couple of years. That's, that's a plain radiata pine uncoated in a setting where it's got to deal with salt water, fresh water, tides, animals, all sorts of things. And it's still, it's absolutely robust and beautiful. So you can now use that for entire cladding inside bathrooms and outside in decks and around pools and fountains and all sorts of things, which couldn't, which couldn't be done before. So actually, I would argue that these regenerative design, cradle to cradle certified products gives more design freedom. Mm. And more robustness, more durability than actually we're, we're familiar with. So when you start thinking about laminated products, you know, how they pull apart and you've got the glues and you've got all these things. It, you don't have to have that anymore with, with some of these products. It's absolutely incredible what they've mastered. And some of them take 15 years. Cradle to Cradle Akoya took 15 years to finally develop, to develop this particular material. And we've seen Google use it now on uh, their King's Cross outside mullions facing the weather beautiful, you know, mullions instead of uh, 
PVC or UPVC or aluminium that people tend to use for windows. So now we've got wood mullions. And um, we used, we we saw a cradle to cradle certified product being um, specified for the Microsoft office in uh, offices in London, as several of them were taken up by Microsoft both for Munich and for London. So we we're seeing you know big brands who who have the smarts and have the teams who can research some of the stuff, yeah. and bring, bring that in into projects. Like we say, the Environment Agency. We've seen Jacobs Engineering here in the UK. They're the biggest engineering company in the world, and um, using it for products. So. As a designer, whether you're you know, doing residential products and you, you're small or you're one-man show or whether you have a huge team or you're part of a multi-global um, design team, you can confidently use cradle-to-cradle certified products. And that was something the Environment Agency spent, I think, a year or two doing their due diligence on all the, on all the global standards that are out there and came back to us um, and said, you're right, it is. It is the best um, It is the best." of the standards that align with our purposes. Obviously, there are different standards for different things, but for materials and, and products and um, for regenerative design, Cradle to Cradle Certified is hands down by Country Mile the best of the bunch. Yeah. So, well, yeah, lovely to hear that. I think you made a lot of listeners and following very excited and curious when you talk about the wood and all these, well, innovative technical products, but they look yeah, really Natural, let's call it in that way, because, well, especially right now in the area we're living, we're looking for this biophilic design and all these terms that we want to get connected with nature again. And then sometimes people are showing us the world of really technical, nerdy AI. Uh, all this stuff is coming from the other side, where we are craving for the other world. So if the connection is possible and we don't have to do all the maths and the formulas and all the technical research to that and there's an opportunity to just actually well my first impression was i i'm going to create my own library from products that i will find on your platform that are matching my signature or my clients or my people and let's find a way to communicate up front that's why we love always to communicate with your audience with your clients with your with your create team as we call it that you would like to use these kind of materials that it is part of your mission and part of the education you're educating the client so that you keep them awake like, hey, you are the painter. Have you ever thought about this bread? Where can you get it? Where can you order it? Here's the link. And I want you to use this for the whole product, product for the whole uh, project. Sorry. Yeah. Absolutely. So that is one way of doing it. We have seen quite a few clients doing that. We've seen teams... Um, we recently met a big architectural firm. They've created a, what they call a Thrive team, which is literally to look at all the products the, the usual specifiers and procurement would be looking at and then yeah. putting that through this additional filter of regenerative design or sustainable beyond sustainability. So they have a, they've set up a whole department doing exactly this work, looking at everything from carbon to some other... To, so some they were, they were test, testing what they always advise and, then, and, and, and in some way they replaced some... Products and materials for Absolutely. Them. So they've realized they need to go beyond sustainability. They need to go beyond just the usual way of finding linear uh, linear designed uh, products. And we're seeing that in in infrastructure as well. We, we're seeing that they are no longer just going, well, we just, we, we just want a pipe or a concrete or a this or a that. They're actually starting to say, well, what else is there? What is better? Um, you know, even with the Ecoya fender, for example, the first iterations of the fenders were brilliant because they had no bad coatings for the 
the Thames estuary. So it was great for um, fauna and flora to sort of latch onto it. But they went further and we, we challenged them. And this is the kind of thing that we say is it's not just about the material or the product. It's all about how are you setting it and how are you mounting it? Are you able to demount it in the 50 years or the 20 years or the five years or the six years if you're a leisure industry designer? You know, how are those access points designed into your um, into your thinking and into the client's conversations, the briefs? As I said right from the beginning, look at the ambition levels, the briefs and the contracts. Make sure it's right up there so that you've yeah. challenged them in six years' time when you come back to me and say, right, I want to redesign this. You know, are we placing the mirrors set in and glue that we can't then access them and we just got to smash them to get them down? Or we're we looking at demountable mirrors, demountable tile systems now exist. You don't need to smash tiles anymore. You can yeah, just yeah. demount them. There's so many amazing things that uh, that can be done. So it's really important to challenge yourself a bit and, and challenge your clients to think differently and think next iteration and what we like to say next use or reuse as opposed to, uh, you know, one-off use Um that single-use idea really needs to go. It needs to shuffle off and rest in peace. Um, but if we look, if we look at the whole circularity that Paul mentioned earlier, if we're looking at the sourcing that's traceable, local, urban mining, reusing where possible, and that's another thing. You know, clients used to not want to use uh, materials that had been used before. Everybody wanted new, and I think we've gone beyond that. I think we realise new is a little bit taboo now. We actually really need to reuse. We had a fantastic Stockholm um, case study um, a while back where they they uh, saved the client 60% of the client's budget by actually looking at what was existing and recovering furniture and reusing and repairing. And d- they did an incredible job. They still met the objective of creating this great new office space. Yeah, that's one, that's wonderful, right? Yeah, we, we, are, we are serving uh, premium, uh, premium clients, high-end clients for residential design. But we do have 11 principles, and one of them is that we, we don't, not everything has to be has to be new. And it's what, sometimes you're like, hey, yeah, but I, I like new. And it's like, hey, what, what about new? What, what is it about new? Is it, how, does it, how does it feel for you? What is it? And if you can get to the core of the question, and that's very important as a designer, what, what, is, it, what, what is new doing with that? The, or can it be that it is way more meaningful and important for them to use the right materials and that they have a, a whole other self-fulfilling idea? Absolutely. Or this, this fresh start or better start, how they see life or the next level. They, they have, all these people have other excuses, reasons to have a new environment. They want to be most of the time a better person or to level up. But what would this level up be? And so if you ask, if we... Are asking better questions to our clients. If it's eh, what, what could be the challenge if we might have a look, and you have to, if you can get the opportunity to have a look at it with this kind of perspective. Exactly, and we often ask them the question, a different question. We'll say to them, "What story do you want to have at the end of your design? Would you yeah, prefer to say yeah. what story do you want to have? What do you want to market? You know, what is your brand's value and the goodwill that you'll get out of it?" So we actually had that very sincere conversation with Microsoft's designers some time back. And their designers had designed in a way that we, we challenged some of the things, some of the materials. And they were, they did, they did the judges, they went back to Microsoft, they had the conversation and they came back to us and they said, actually, that's, you know, we hadn't thought about it quite like that. And, and we're willing, we actually would prefer to come out with a, a, a robust story that says, we are actually using products that are verified, assessed, certified, good for the planet as opposed to necessarily it looks good or it's this or it's that or it's the next thing. So sometimes 
no matter who the client is, they're, they're willing to have that second conversation. And we say have it earlier if possible, but have it throughout because they might not do it for this project, but they might do it for next project. So either way is use your influence wherever you are. Um, and don't be scared. You know, some designers going, oh, but I'm scared if I if I say that, will my client, you know, not want to work with me or drop off? Actually, I think they'll see you as more professional and they'll see you as being sort of differentiating yourself, cutting edge, bringing the new ideas. To you can't force them. You can't force anyone to do what no, they want. No, but you, people, you will be surprised as a designer if you come up with Absolutely. this subject at people. People, it's all around you. In, Absolutely. And, and, the kind of and now, it's, now it's living in this type of phase of living or they're building a new shop or a or business or whatever and then it just adds up to what you're doing with maybe Absolutely. their own health or whatever so and when you explain yeah and when you explain to them what that glue or what that paint is off gassing or what that sofa yeah. with with a um a non um solid material wood base has because it's off gassing formaldehyde so you'll we, are, we are going to steal your scary story about paint. And uh, probably we have way more because now uh, Shalini is really talking. Yeah, you really want to convince us to start uh, designing sustainable and uh, regenerative. Uh, so it's wonderful. And the best way to start with it, and that's what that's the idea, and that's why I invited you to the podcast, you both. Paul, you are a little bit in the background the last few minutes, but we knew this was going to happen. Uh, that's <laughs> perfect. Uh, <laughs> It's how you work together. Yeah, the architect, so it's uh, it's all it's very apt. But um, uh, I just I just wanted to really add that um, you know the time to do this work is 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 really beneficial now because it's like when I first started doing this, it was quite tricky. You know, there was just white paint, and you you had to kind of um, you had to kind of just go. Well, if I'm going to do this stuff, I'm going to have to you know just have the white one. And then the colors came and then the, the opportunities came and then the 70,000 products came. You know, it's like it's such an exciting time now to be doing this work. And there's technology that can make this stuff much easier. Like you talked about material libraries. There's technologies that can actually because C2C for me, it's like the ID. It's like this is what this thing is. We know what it is now. But what we don't want to do is get it lost. So the technology is available now that you can put an ID on that thing keep it in a system and it's actually an asset suddenly you know you're taking it off the wall or you're doing this thing and it's become more valuable while it's been sitting there in in your workplace or your home or whatever so yeah. they're actually assets they're investments uh, some of these things now so you can you can actually you know there's evidence out there particularly like the last few years where products you specify them by the time you actually delivered them into the project the price was twice as much you know you imagine that's in your, your project for five years and the same kind of conditions are going on. You've suddenly got all these assets around you that are increasing in value. It's a completely different way of looking at design. You know, it's, it's very exciting. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. You got, you're doing a great job. What we will do is we're going to share the link to your uh, platform but, but because people can get free access to it, to 550 World, eh, to the directory for all these products and services and all the information was there, which is really uh, scientific certified. People uh, did their research on the different level, levels we uh, we spoke today. So it's uh, we can generally say that this, at the moment, is probably one of the best places to go to for to check if you're a healthy, regenerative uh, designer. So thanks a lot because, um, well, sharing this podcast with our global community with Beyond the Design Club. It was uh, 
well, probably way more effective than uh, the few pro projects we are doing on, uh, on a yearly basis. So I'm glad that I could share your story. And um, yeah, we, we even reach way more people right now. So um, I do hope a lot of people will take action on your important message because we have to take care of this world. Huh? It's a small, uh, it's a small planet, and um, only together we have the power to design this world. Thanks, um, thanks, Mark and, and Sven, and and Paul, <laughs> and thank you, the audience. Sven. I know there'll be probably some questions, and we'll be hanging around a bit for a while, Paul. For Mark, what is the sort of time timeline? Uh, yeah, if uh, for people, if you have uh, yeah any further questions, uh, you can uh, you can ask them. You can ask Paul and Celine for uh, for that. But uh, yeah, thanks again for uh, yeah for the for the wonderful story, and uh, for your uh, yeah for your invitation to uh, to so people can reach out to you for their questions. And uh, you can connect with them on LinkedIn, of course, our favorite platform. You can you can find them over there. We we will put the link in the in the bio of the of the podcast and on our website on the blog. So. Uh, and I think it's just nice to just to remind everyone there are at least four access points. So for people new to all of this, you might want to read the Cradle to Cradle Remaking the Way We Make Things book, which is absolutely brilliant, just to get a really uh, great overview of everything. Um, you can obviously contact 540 World, and the website is really easy. You can, you can email us at info at 540.world. Um, but also you can go to the Cradle to Cradle Products Innovation Institute. There's a products registry there, which shows you the material health products, certified products, and the Cradle to Cradle uh, certified products. Um, so, and then you can also go to 540 World's website and there's a free uh, downloadable directory called the C2C Design Directory. And I have to say it's the world's first national directory. So it is specific to the UK, but a lot of those products are global. So it's a good place to, to have a look um, if you, if you, and we update that monthly. So there are new ones coming through, but being 70 plus pages, we're nowhere near the 75,000 products list yet. So I'd, I'd advise, uh, have a look at both. And then there's a circular design network that we're doing in the UK, which um, everybody's welcome to join if you want to know more about what's going on. Yeah, yeah, it's growing every day. The numbers, the collections, yeah, the, 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 all the, the researchers we, uh, they are doing. So that's, it's, that's definitely the good news of what's going on right now. Everybody needs this is the solution to, uh, yeah, to continue. So, uh, yeah, thanks again. Hey, thanks for listening. Before you go, only 32% of the listeners follow this podcast. So if you like this Beyond the Terrorism podcast, don't forget to press the follow button in your app. This way you won't miss a thing. And this way you'll also help us to get a higher ranking so we can inspire even more creatives. So please take a moment to click that follow button. And... If you want to discover more about how to take your interior design studio to the next level, go to beyondtheterrordesign.club. I repeat, beyondtheterrordesign.club. That's club. We can help you with free video series, masterclasses, advanced training programs, or get mentored by me and my team so your interior design studio is set up for great success. You no longer have to do it all by yourself. We're in your corner. So start here, beyondsterrodesign.club. See you there. This podcast is an initiative of the Institute of Ontario Impact.